Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Property Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Live from MMA Fighting Studios, this is Between the Links. And now, your host, Mike Heck. The iconic voice of Esther Lynn welcomes you to a brand new edition of Between the Links. Happy Thursday, everybody. We're live on the MMA Fighting YouTube channel. You can obviously... If you're watching After the Fact, we appreciate that. If you're listening on the podcast network, After the Fact, we appreciate that as well. A lot going on in the world of combat sports. A lot has happened last weekend. A lot has happened this week. And of course, this Saturday, the UFC is back in Miami, Florida. UFC 287. Alex Pereira versus Israel Adesanya. Two or four, however you want to define it. We got Gilbert Burns versus Jorge Mazadal. Just a stacked main card. And we figured, you know what? There's so much going on right now. Let's just make this the people's edition of Between the Links. We're going to take your questions the entire time. That's what we're going to do here. And I'm not doing this alone. Joining me is the incomparable Mr. New York Rick. And what an honor it is, sir. New York Rick, how are you? I'm great. What a blessing to be here today. Even without <laughs> the the competition, um, it's almost even better. Um why fight? Let's let's just celebrate together. Um, I'm so always so happy to see you, Mike. Uh, you're a friendly face, and always so glad to be with you and Casey uh, every single time I can do it. So thank you for having me. Yeah, I mean, to, to be perfectly honest, I've been consumed with this feature that dropped today, so I didn't really even like put a show together. So I just reached out to New York Rick. I'm like, you know, let's just do a and a Let's let the peeps dictate what we're going to talk about. And it just seems like the the gentlemanly thing to do. Let the fighters fight and we'll just talk about stuff. I think that's a, a fun way to do things on this Thursday. Wouldn't you say? I'm with you. Uh, I'm, I'm all here for the positivity. All right. So your questions about 287, the main events, the co-main event, other fights on the card. We could talk about Bellator PFL game bread boxing. Hell, if you want to jump on the fight circus train, I don't blame you. We could talk UFC WWE merger. Whatever is on your mind, we could talk about it. We'll discuss all of it here. So we have the wonderful E. Casey Lydon on the ones and twos moderating the chat, and he'll be pulling your questions on the screen. So let's have some fun. 
Do we have any questions? God, I hope so. All right, we'll start with Joe D. New York, if Izzy wins a great fight, does Alex get the immediate rematch? I think it depends on how the fight goes. Um, a lot of times, it's the it's the reigning champion who gets the rematch, whereas Alex, you know, just took the belt in his last fight. So I don't know that it would be an immediate rematch. Um, th- that doesn't seem to be as assured as the long reigning champion gets the immediate rematch. But the rivalry is so good, and there's so much meat on that bone that I think it it'd be interesting to go to that well. The problem is you've got you know, guys like Robert Whitaker, Paulo Costa, and others just waiting in the wings and saying, what's going on with my with my career? So um, it'd be interesting to see. I wouldn't be shocked, but I almost wouldn't expect it, especially if Izzy has a, has a dominant performance. I think it would be a situation where Alex has to kind of build himself back up. But if it's a close fight, you think they'll they'll run it back? If it's close, then it feels like, yeah, maybe, maybe they run it back again. It has, look... I, I, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but I've talked about this many times. Number one and number two, when they're clear, when they're this clear, I think you have to kind of go to that well. When you have Davis and Figueredo and you have Brandon Moreno and they've put on the fights that they've, ha- that they've had, you kind of have to do it until there's a resolution. And, and in my mind, if Israel Adesanya can come out and win this fight, there's there's a case to be made to do it one more time. So I'd be okay. But yeah, if you're if you're Robert Whitaker, if you're Paulo Costa, hell, if you're even Hamzat Shemaev, who seems to be a middleweight at this point, you're wondering what's next. Um, maybe those guys can be matched up against each other in some configuration. Um, I would not be shocked to see it. But if Izzy comes out and dominates, I feel like it might be a situation where Alex has to face another contender. I think they're going to go back to it either way, honestly, just because... Unless they both just declare after the fight, we're both going to 205, we're done, and then we can like do it at 205 for the third one. I mean, otherwise, like the UFC has brilliantly built this up to get to this point, and I feel like they're just not going to go away from it. Because Pereira is just, he's not a human being. The fact that he makes 185 at all is just astounding to me. And the longer his career progresses the less likely it's going to be that he's going to be able to consistently make 185. So the time period in order to do this and complete this rivalry and however you want to do it, there's not a lot of time left. So I feel like if Izzy goes out there and I mean, if he just bulldozes him and pitches an Anderson Silva, Chris Lieben, perfect game, then maybe that's something different, but I don't expect that to happen. I feel like if that happens, uh, there will be a narrative that forms that like, you know, Alex got that lucky in that first in that first MMA fight. It'll be like Alex. You know, Izzy was winning the whole time, and Alex kind of got him. If Izzy smokes him in this next one, I can easily see that kind of thing happen. Alex got rushed to the title shot because of his uh, because of his history with Izzy. He got in there, he was losing the whole time, and then he found a miracle. Um, and Izzy was the rightful. Ch- like, I can see it forming. To be honest, the factor that we didn't mention, and I think is actually the more important factor, um, other than storylines, is how does this pay per view do? This pay-per-view is headlined by Israel Adesanya versus Alex Pereira. If this pay-per-view does well, yeah, line that third one up. Why not, right? Like, let's keep let, let's keep the hot hand and keep rolling. If this one doesn't do so hot, it'd be hard for me to see them going straight back to it, especially if Izzy dominates. So I think there's a lot of things that we need to see after this week um, to determine that. I like the question. Could be a lot. To, and if Alex Pereira wins, then 
it's moot because yeah. we're probably fight Whitaker and Hamza could fight Paul Costa and the division go that way. I'm, I'm sure we're going to get this question, but we might as well just throw it out there now to you, Rick. What happens to Izzy if he loses this fight? Because a lot of people bring up, you know, he's done. I mean, obviously, as long as Pereira's the champion, he ain't getting it. There you go. Thank you, Donnie. What happens if Izzy loses hmm. again? As long as Pereira's the champion, it's going to be a tough sell to get him back in there unless Adesanya just goes on a 4-0 run and Pereira is still running people over. But... I mean, what do we do now? Does he just hope that they book the Whitaker fight and that Whitaker wins? Because he does have two wins over Rob, and I'm sure Rob would want that one back. I know he's talked about it before. So what happens if Izzy loses this fight? That would definitely be his his best path to claiming a championship, but I don't. it's really going to depend on what Israel Adesanya's motivation is. And I, and I would assume it would be similar to kind of somebody like Kamara Usman, um, as we just saw with Leon Edwards, right? He just dropped two against Leon Edwards. Does he want to be a welterweight contender anymore? Does he want to try middleweight? Does he want to be in fun money fights? It really depends on the motivation. I think Israel Adesanya is somebody who's been very transparent and clear about the fact that like, he fights for money. The money's good, but it's really about his passion and his motivation and showcasing what he wants to do and, and his his skills and his martial arts. So I think if what he'll want is he'll want to fight Alex again. I know that for a fact because he's just that type of dude. But what his motivations will be if he's not able to to get that title shot again, um, I think are unclear. Like he's he's gonna have to sit with that one for a little bit and really figure out what's next for him. What I'd like to see is him against any of those other middleweights that are kind of new and refreshed. Like I wouldn't mind a, a rematch with Paula Costa. And quite frankly, I wouldn't mind an, another Whitaker fight after the way the last one went, it was pretty dang close. And I think that those two before Alex entered the picture were the clear number one and number two. And then there's the, the Hamzat challenge that's out there for everybody. So I think there's still some interesting fights for Israel at a middleweight, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him walk away. I wouldn't be surprised to see him go up to two Oh five. I wouldn't see him surprise be, be surprised if he wants to go box. There's, there's a million things that I could see for Israel Adesanya it's really going to be like what his passion level is after the fight um yeah and and I don't know I have no insight into that neither do I but who knows maybe after the fight he'll jump on the biggest MMA show of all time the MMA (laughs) hour and we'll get answers to those questions I I don't think he's done I'll say that I don't think he's done I don't think he just walks away there's 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 a lot of money to be made there's a lot of uh, challenges for him. I, I think he can find a, a challenge for himself. I don't think it's just I'm I'm good and and calling it a career. Maybe he could take three years off and put on fifty pounds and go fight John Jones. <laughs> we could settle that beef. So a lot of a lot of uh, compelling storylines with this fight. What else we got? I love the Scooby Doo uh, the Scooby Doo image. David, how bad does Kelvin Gastelum need a win? Is his job on the line, New York Rick? I mean, anybody's job is on the line every time they fight in the UFC. Like, you know, there's there's uh, there's not a lot of fond sentiment that uh, that keeps the UFC from making business decisions. I think Kelvin Gaslam is probably okay. Um, I think he's probably secure from the sense that, like, when Kelvin Gaslam makes it to the fight, you know, you're going to get a good fight. Like Kelvin Gastelum is somebody when you put in there, he's game and you're going to get a good fight. Making it to the fight has always kind of been the issue and always kind of been the struggle. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know that there that I'd be worried too much about Kelvin's job as much as like how many times can he try to rebuild himself and become a contender again um, before he has to figure out something um, to do. I, I'd love to see a guy like Kelvin if I'm if I'm 
you know, playing it forward, let's say it is the end of the line. I'd love to see a guy like Kelvin in the PFL or uh, Bellator or somewhere like that um, as, a, as a refresh, as a new look on his career, because how many times can you kind of churn through the contenders? Um, but no, I don't, I don't, I don't, I just don't see it. He's, he's too exciting a fighter. He's got a name. People still really get behind him when he makes it to the cage. He puts on great fights. So, um, I wouldn't be too concerned about, about Kelvin's job security. I would say it depends on how much he's making, especially with this merger. Cause you're going to have to cut some costs somewhere. Honestly, like when you have a big deal like this and you put big things together and you're forming this massive, super publicly trading company, Usually you have to cut costs in order to to make that happen. And if Kelvin's making, you know, 150 and 150, not a bad way to go. Now, the normal UFC structure, I would probably I would agree with you on this because Kelvin, even though he have would have lost three in a row in six of seven, there's still value to the man's name. There's a reason why yeah. Chris Curtis is fighting Kelvin Gaslam. You beat Kelvin Gaslam, you're a top 15 guy, if not a little bit better. You can make moves there. It's kind of there's like two litmus tests at 185 if you're going to be a ranked guy. Gaslam's probably top tier, and right below that is a Brad Tavares. That's pretty mm-hmm. much where you're at right now. And there's nothing wrong with that. You can make a very good living being those guys, being the litmus test for the up-and-comers. But Gaslam's name still means something. And I mentioned like Tom Coughlin and the New York Giants a lot because when Tom Coughlin beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl twice – he could have gone one in 15 for the next hmm. eight years and they would have kept him around. And I still think that Gaslam Adesanya fight is an all-time favorite. I think that fight continues to age well. And that's why I think the leash will be a little bit longer for Kelvin if it's just based on merit and not business. Yeah, you make a great point. The middle the middle of the UFC roster is where we kind of see the fat being cut these days, right? The, the low end, the bottom is where they, they stack a lot of these cards with Dana White Contender Series uh, talent or debutantes or guys on two or three fight, uh, or, you know, two or three fights into their UFC career. And then the top level is how you make your money on the pay-per-view guys. So that middle tier of the guys who might be getting paid just a little bit more than the value they bring to the card. Those are the ones in danger, um, of potentially being cut. I think Kelvin though, has enough goodwill, um, that'll probably keep him around. And as I said, like, even though he's, he's losing Kelvin Gastelum's always in a good fight. And I think that you, you see that time and time in the UFC that they keep guys like that around um, that can put on shows and, and have some name value. Completely agree. But we'll see what happens. That, besides the main event, I think I know where I'm going to land on the main event. I think this is the fight that's the toughest to call for me. Mm, I think yeah, it is tough. 50-50. Yeah, I agree with you. It's, I, I have no read on it. Very tough fight. None. <laughs> Absolutely none. Who knows what version of Kelvin Gaston will show up. Uh, Goran, if Mazadal gets a spectacular win against Burns and pulls a great promo to Leon in the post fight, what are the chances we hear Dana flip from Colby to George getting the title shot? I say he does. Are you as confident as Goran is that if Mazadal does all of those things, Dana's showing up to the presser saying, boy, I got egg on my face. I got this one wrong. It's going to be Mazadal. I think the key is the spectacular win. If we see it, I'm I'm fairly confident that there will at least be some question. There will at least be some some hesitance from Dana White to say that we're proceeding with the Colby Covington plan. He may say that initially, even, um, but I think the the overwhelming support from the fans that want to see the the resolution to that story, I think, will sway opinions in a in a major way. Um, the promos there, right? We know. 
if Masvidal wins, he's he's grabbing the mic and Leon Edwards is, is the first name out of his mouth and Colby Covington is the second name out of his mouth. We know that. There's no doubt. The spectacular win part is the most important. Can he pull that off as a big underdog and get that done? But yeah, like Dana White has consistently said, now Dana White's going against his own rules with making fights and putting Colby, Ken- Colby Covington into a title shot on, the, on fight night. But one of his other rules, and let's see if he breaks this one is, I put on, UFC puts on, the fights that fans want to see. There's no doubt in my mind if Jorge Masvidal goes out there and absolutely starches Gilbert Burns and gets on the mic and calls out Leon Edwards, that is the fight that fans will want to see. So let's see what where Dana White's uh, mindset is after that. But the spectacular win part is the hardest part. That's the, the promo is the easy part. The spectacular win part's the hard part. I think this is possible. There is a chance that and I've talked about this before. I know people think like I hate Dana White. It's just not true. Um, I don't know the man. He's done things that are wrong and we've called out. And much like if I did things wrong, you would call me out and he would call me out. But we we both share this besides the bald head. We are stubborn Boston people mm-hmm. where if we have our feet planted in the sand about something, I don't care what you show me, we're going to keep our feet in the sand. Like, we're just going to be stubborn as hell and be like, no, even though everybody's asking me to do this and having me change this, you're just not going to do it out of spite. And I've done this many times in my life. That's just the stubborn nature that I, that I have. But I do think, again, this merger could change things because you got to make some money. You got to put on the biggest fights possible. And if Mazadal comes out of there looking like a star and if he goes out there and just butchers Gilbert Burns, he is going to be over like Rover. It is going to be a reaction that we haven't heard in a long time. Like that's just going to be gigantic. And if he says the right thing and cuts the right promo, there's a very good chance they do this. On the other end, people, and I know we have staff members to talk about this too. Colby Covington, whether you like him or not, in the world of prize fighting, he, he is one of the best. He is one of the best prize fighters. The definition of prize fighting is you take the biggest fights for the most amount of money with the lowest perceived risk. Nobody does that better than Colby Covington. You could possibly convince Colby to wait. He's waited this long already. If the UFC says, look, Colby, just just chill out. We'll give you a couple shekels, but you get the winner of this fight. Either you get Leon or you get Mazadal for the title. Is Colby going to say no to that? Like I, Both of those are massive fights. Either way, if Leon just beats Mazadal, which he'll probably be favored to do, then you could still do that fight end of the year, maybe early next year. And if Mazadal wins, you know the UFC is going to try to go to that well and do Colby Mazadal with everything that has happened, the storyline. And that will be one of the biggest fights you could possibly make in the UFC right now, even though I don't think that fight goes any differently than the first one. But it would be a gigantic build. It'd be insane. And again, that's Colby would make a ton of money. Like in what if- fights that he could win both of those. What if you just ice Masvidal and say, you get the next shot? We're going to do, do that Colby too. Leon. We're going to do Colby Leon and you get either Colby or Leon that way. Cause he's got a story with both of them. So you could do that too. I just think you got to strike while you have Leon Edwards versus Masvidal, which I think has more heat than Colby and, and Masvidal, even though funny enough, they have real, like in real life, not promo heat. Like they're in the middle of a lawsuit right now. Um, it's crazy to me that, I mean, I can't, I'm saying it, but it's, it's boggling my mind as I'm saying it. I think there's more of a, a fight story between Leon 
and Masvidal than there is between Colby and Masvidal, just because of how one-sided that was. And we saw it already, and it was it was kind of just not a good fight. Um, you have to strike. You have to do it. Leon Edwards is is the champion. You bring it to the UK, and you've got you've got money. You're pr- you're literally printing money. But you're right. Like he's a stubborn man. You're a stubborn man. I mean, you still got your power slap. You know, league running <laughs> over there. I, I tried to talk you out of it. You're still going a heck with of a it, slap but. league. Heck of a slap league. <laughs> We'll be oh, on uh, well some sort of streaming platform uh, coming soon, but well played. He- here's the other thing: I think timing is going to play a factor too. You mentioned the UK card. There have been reports that have come out that Leon and Coley is targeted for London. From what I understand right now, that July 22nd card is not meant to be a pay per view. Now things could be yeah. sh- things could change, of course, but here's what we know at least today. Ariel Hawani reported. Um, we're still working on fully confirming this that. Alexander Volkanovsky versus Jair Rodriguez, the featherweight title unification bout, is scheduled for International Fight Week. It's going to be, who knows, main event, co-main event. Now, I know people, Ariel also said that right as of right now, there's no talk about John Jones versus Stipe being on that card. Obviously, things can change. It's April, but the clock's ticking a little bit. We got to kind of make a move. If Mazdal just ices Burns in like a minute and then can turn around and fight International Fight Week against Leon... That is a tremendous main event. And then you have Volk and Yair as the co-main. That's a pretty damn that's a pretty damn juicy start to an international fight week capper, considering all the news and, and all the press the UFC has gotten over the last week or so with this merger. So I mean, there's so many things that can happen, but like you said, the big thing is Mazadal needs to get the win. So I wanted to ask you this, and I don't know if this question is going to come up. What do you think of the betting lines here? Mazadal is like a plus 360 underdog. I feel like I feel like if we're talking value on live underdogs, I don't think there's anybody more valuable than Jorge Mazadal right now at that number. I'm not saying I'm not saying I'm not on this live microphone live right now saying that Jorge Mazadal is unequivocally going to win this fight. But if you're telling me that Gilbert Burns is 80% better than Jorge Mazadal perceived value-wise, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. What are your thoughts on the line? Yeah, so just for the uninitiated, uh, betting lines are not who is going to win a fight, right? When a bookmaker makes a betting line, they make a a betting line to get equal action on both sides so that they can maximize their profits. They want people to bet on Gilbert Burns, and they want people to bet on Jorge Masvidal, and then the lines move as the bets come in to recalibrate that. So what their goal is, is to get the most people betting on the fight. It's not an indicator by them or by anybody else, we think this person is going to win the fight, okay? Just... That's number one. Number two, what you spoke about is value, right? You're not saying in a 50-50 fight that Jorge Masvidal is better than Gilbert Burns. What you're saying is the perceived, the, the expected value and, and the perceived odds um, would indicate that he's a good underdog bet. I'd probably agree with that. I think, it's a li- I think it's a little inflated for Gilbert Burns. I do think there's more chances for Jorge Masvidal, who's a, a tremendous um, defensive fighter, both in his boxing and both in his uh, takedown defense. Gilbert Burns, not exactly a skilled like power double wrestler um, type dude. When he gets people down, it's typically not um, off explosive takedowns like that. So Masvidal is going to have a lot of opportunity to kind of defend those takedowns in a spot where he's been very good in the past. Now we've seen him in most recent fights. And I think this is coloring that against two of the better wrestlers, right? We've seen him against Colby and Kamaru who are the, the cream of the crop when it comes to that, um, wrestling. So 
I think that's what's happening here is a little bit of a of a forgetting how good defensively Jorge Masvidal is and maybe an overestimating of Gilbert Burns' wrestling, which is packaged more with he has a tremendous ground game, but not necessarily great entries and not necessarily somebody who's going to just steamroll or shoot a power double from across the cage on Jorge Masvidal. So if this plays out on the feet for extended periods of time, Jorge Masvidal is a better boxer. Gilbert has has some power. Gilbert definitely has some power, and he's definitely a, a capable fighter. We saw him stand toe-to-toe with Hamza Chemaev, and, and I expect this fight could look a little similar to that, if I'm being completely honest. Um, so, yeah, I think, Jorge, I agree with you. That's a long-winded way of saying I think the book is a little bit off here, but again, they're not. They're, they're just trying to get the value, and that uh, if I had some some money and I had to play one side, it would be the Masvidal side. I'd, be, I'd feel more confident... Um, that, I, that I'd be seeking better profits there long-term uh, on Jorge Masvidal. And there's a lot of dogs on this card, by the way, that I think are live. I completely agree with you. And yeah, again, I'm not saying Masvidal is going to win, but I do, I, do think that, I do think most of this fight is going to play out on the feet. And I'm not saying yeah. Gilbert Burns, I'm not saying Gilbert Burns can't win a striking battle with Jorge Masvidal because his striking has gotten a lot better. He is well-coached. He's got... I mean, he just he's well versed in striking. It's much better than it was. I mean, he went hammer and tong with Hamza Shemaev and lived to tell the tale. And a lot of people still to this day think Gilbert won that fight. He did very well in the feet in that one. Hamza can strike. I know Hamza's known for other things, but Hamza can can throw. Yeah. But I just I think if if this is gonna play out on the feet for like ten to twelve minutes, which I think it's going to, I'm not saying it won't hit the mat at all. I mean, how can you not give Mazadal some chance to win this fight, at least a 50-50 chance. Now you're, according to those betting odds, you're giving, that's an 80% win prob for Gilbert Burns. I just don't think it's that high. But again, that's yep. just where the lines sit right now. But I love that fight. Love that fight. Masvidal's going to be jacked up. This is it. I mean, this is, not saying there's not other fights for Masvidal right now. I mean, there's already seeds planted for a potential Kevin Holland fight after what happened yesterday in, in a rando hotel lobby. And hmm. apparently cameras happen to be there. But <laughs> he's already teased like it's do or die in some ways. And we'll see if that's the case. But that fight is very, very compelling right now. Agreed. I love that fight. What else do we got? The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. David, if Adrian Giannis is a good performance against Font, is the sky the limit for him? 
Yeah, I, I have to confess, I'm an Adrian Yana stan. Like, I love that dude. Like, I, I'm like, I'm a fan. I don't know if if anybody saw the press conference, um, the media day. Go back and hear what Israel Adesanya had to say about uh, Adrian Yanez. I'm on the I'm on the same page with Israel. Um, the guy's got some of the crispest boxing uh, in the UFC. He he has a great attitude. He's got a great story. If anybody's uh, you know interested to look into his backstory, um, I think the sky is the limit. And and he teased you know potentially a Sean O'Malley fight. I don't think there's any chance that that happens next, just because I think O'Malley's going to be the the one that the, whoever wins the title between Cejudo and Sterling, they're going to be wanting O'Malley, and O'Malley's going to want that shot. So I don't I don't see any world where they they disrupt that line but down the line a fight between adrian yanez and sean o'malley a fight between adrian yanez and peter yan like these are all matchups that i'm salivating over um i think rob font is one of i talked about a lot of live dogs i think rob font is one of those live dogs adrian yanez is great um defensively he has some some work to do he gets hit a lot even when he's winning these fights um so i think rob font is somebody who could stick the jab in his face for quite a bit of this fight um and just out volume him uh at, at times uh if he ca- if if now on the other hand if yanas catches him it's it's probably going to go yanas's way um but i think font is a live dog i think he's a really good litmus test for the upper echelon of the division and if yanas can clear this bar the sky is the limit he's he's ready for those top tier fights in my opinion if he can clear rob font yeah, yeah, Pierre Jan's the one I, I I have my eye on if Yanez wins. I think that's that's a great matchup. And even if Font wins, you could do Font versus Jan. That's a hell of a fight For too. Sure. So either way, I think Font's a plus one fifty five right now. I think there's value there. Um yep. that could Same that, that that's a fifty fifty fight to me, hundred percent. And I understand that people have concerns about Font getting dropped in his last two fights, but again, and this is this is why I think this is a fifty fifty fight. I'm with you. I think Adrian Yanez is great. Great interview, great personalities, over. That's why he's getting this opportunity. And if he wins, the UFC is going to strap the rockets to him. Like, there's no doubt about it. Having said that, the level of competition between these two guys, it's night and day. Rob Font yeah. has fought everybody. He's fought a murderer's row all the way up from John Lineker, which he was probably way too early for that fight with John. And you could see it if you go back and watch it, all the way up to... Ricky Simone and Sergio Pettis and Jose Aldo and Marlon Vera and Cody Garbrandt when we still, we weren't questioning Cody as much. Like he's fought them all. And Yana's, you know, you fight the dudes who are in front of you. We wanted to see the Randy Costa fight because they were just so damn friendly to each other. They're just like best buddies getting into it. And then on top of that, the Davy Grant fight was a close ass fight. Like it was a really good, like step up for him, but it was a very close fight. The level of competition is night and day but i think it's a 50 50 fight this could go absolutely either way but if you're giving me font at plus 155 i think that's worth a look for sure and a fight's probably going to go to the cards because both these guys are extremely durable 100 percent with you i'm not concerned about rob font's chin like uh, i'm really not he's facing guys who um can crack in that division and truth be told like there's a difference between the dudes who get hit and go out and there's a difference between the dudes who go out who stand back up and are already immediately throwing jabs back at you and rob fonts that guy um so yeah I, I love this fight i think this is one of those fights where sometimes we talk about was somebody pushed too soon this is one of those fights right we're either going to find out if Giannis can see, sink or swim was he was he pushed to the upper echelon a little too soon because i consider rob the the kind of fringe of that upper echelon was he pushed too soon did he need it a little more seasoning or is he ready for great things and and i could see it going either way um 
I would I would lean toward toward Yanez, but betting wise, I can I just see a very clear path to victory for Rob Font. It, it makes a lot of sense if you're getting plus money. So where I, I in most ways I think this is a win win situation for Yanez because even if he yeah. loses a competitive decision, like it's his stock doesn't drop that much. If it's a fun fight, they'd be like, damn, it's still a great fight. He lost, but Rob Font can beat a lot of guys on any given day, and if he wins, then the risk reward for Yanez is tremendous. Like this yeah. is one of those kinds of fights. Absolutely. Thank you, David. What else do we have? Brandon, is Adesanya versus Alex one of the best one-sided rivalries in combat sports? Yeah, I guess. Can you even call it a rivalry if if it's one-sided? Right? It, it's more. It's more of a beatdown at the moment. Um, I think. Let me say this. I know that narrative is kind of out there. I was joking because if. If you really paid attention, like Israel Adesanya has won more of these fights. Like if, if you really, if you really done the, the legwork and, and paid attention, Israel Adesanya has been winning these fights. Uh, he, he's he's typically the one, um, he's typically the one doing better until he's not, and he said it that way, right? He's winning until he's not. Um, but you can't at the same time that you say that you cannot discount the fact that Alex Pereira has power that is part of his game plan, right? It's not as simple as like Israel is winning and got caught. No, Alex Pereira catches people. That's literally what he does. That is his game plan is I can wait and I can get the shot that I need to, to land. So it, it, it is closer, even though it says 3-0, in my opinion, it is more of a rivalry than, than I think it would say on paper, just if you're looking at the outcomes. Um, is it the best one-sided rivalry? Like we've had a few that I, that have gone that way. Um it probably is just because of the level, just because of the level of competition, just because I truly believe that these are the two best, if not like two of the three best um, at their weight class. And it's also carried across different combat sports. So I'm probably going to say, yeah, um, unless you can think of a better one. It's close. Jones DC is, I don't know how, I mean, it's going to take a lot to beat that one. I know one of them is considered a no contest and whatnot, but we watched both those fights play out and yeah. it's not like DC just got trucked. I mean, even in the second fight, you can argue that before he got knocked out, DC might've been winning that second fight. Like it was a, it was a very close fight the second time around before John Jones's foot hit Daniel Cormier across the face. So yeah, this is up there. It's top three for sure. In my opinion, with how this is all played out in the UFC. Like I said, like I've said many times before, they have built this up perfectly. As soon as Pereira signed with the company, they set him up to build up to this point and they did it tremendous. Like if the UFC wants to build something, they are incredible at it. They don't build talent. I think Bellator probably builds talent better overall. But when the UFC is like, all right, this is what we want to do with this guy or this girl, they do an incredible job and they always seem to get it where it needs to go more often than not. Yeah. And just even like thinking about UFC history, typically sometimes they've made the trilogies. I, I, I don't recall what's the record in um, Ortiz and, and Shamrock, but it typically, and Edgar and Penn, I know was 3-0 for, for Edgar. Typically when they've made these, even though it's one-sided, like the third is usually not needed to be made. It's kind of like a promotional thing. Like Edgar and BJ, I think was at featherweight. So it was like this new wrinkle to it, but we, we really didn't need to see Frankie Edgar versus BJ Penn again. So it's, it's usually not this, um, hotly contested. 
even though it's one-sided. It's usually not this feeling of like, truly, I believe that either one of these guys could win. It's usually not that way when you, when you get this deep into a one-sided, um, you know, trilogy or, or quadrilogy, um, or tetralogy, whatever it's called. Um, so yeah, this, this has to, this has to be up there. If it's not number one, it's just because I'm forgetting something. So somebody can correct me and, and bring out something new, but I truly believe either one of these men can win on Saturday night after having seen three fights previously. Sure. Yeah. Nobody wanted to see Tito Shamrock three. Nobody. Wanted yeah. To see I mean, you, some of these you're just like, and I'm, I'm definitely forgetting. Uh, my memory isn't what it used to be, but some of these, like, it, it seems like typically the end ones you don't need to see. You really didn't need yeah. to see. Whereas this one, I'm, I'm very interested to see it. I'm very interested to see this fight. As am I. Thank you, Brandon. Uh, everyone complains about the same guys at 155 fighting each other, but now they want Dustin versus Justin too. Doesn't make sense. Both guys will be getting a third title shot if they win. Yeah, that fight's awesome. Like, what? what? I mean, Justin got a fight. He fought Rafael Fazeev. So, like, he did the thing and won. So now he gets to do another thing. And he, he's maintained his position, so to speak. By beating Rafael Fazeev. Like, we wanted to see these up-and-coming guys get these opportunities against names like that. And we got one. And Justin won. It just... And Dustin has nothing right now. He literally has nothing right now. What do you... Like, Dustin's coming off a win over Michael Chandler, who is about to fight Conor McGregor and get the big bag there. And Dustin's just kind of hanging out right now, wondering what's going to happen with this Benil Darius-Charles Oliveira fight because you can make a a very strong argument with the way the UFC conducts business that if Charles Oliveira beats Benil Dariush, it would not shock me at all if Dustin Poirier gets the Islam Makhachev fight in Abu Dhabi in October. It would not surprise me because Poirier is that over and this is a fresh matchup. Those two guys have not fought each other. We just haven't seen these 55ers when they get the chance, they just haven't won the, the fight yet. Like Gamrat lost to Dariush. Fazeev lost to Gaethje. Sarukian's about to fight Moicano, which is kind of like, I, I guess you could call it maybe a step back in some ways in the rankings. But, I mean, who who would you rather these two guys fight, I guess is my question back. You know what I mean? With wh how this division stands right now? Who would you rather these two guys fight? And also, like, what's the issue with either of those two guys getting a third title shot? Like, against somebody who they haven't fought. Like, why why should I be that concerned about that? Why Why should I care how many title shots they get? Like, I'm in for Dustin versus Islam. I'm in for Justin versus Islam. Like it now, if it's, if it's Charles who's holding the belt, now we have a different story, right? Now I'm right. like, okay, am I, am I rushing to put them back in there against Charles? But if it's Islam, like, I, I don't see, I really don't see what the issue is. I don't, I don't see why they can't get a third title shot. I, I guess, I guess the question is about like seeing the same names fighting for the title, but like, when those names are actually fighting each other, when you've got Dustin um, fighting Michael Chandler and Justin fighting Michael Chandler and Justin fighting Fazeev, and now they're fighting um, each other, like these are the these are the top guys in the division. I'm I'm all for that. And and don't get me wrong, believe me, I would I would not feel comfortable with them hopping over Benil Dariush if he wins. I think he absolutely at at some point just has to get a title shot. The man the man has earned it and it's a fresh matchup. There's no reason not to do it. Um but if Dustin and Justin fight each other and and one of them is next, like no problem. No issue at all from my end. 
Yeah, and if Darius wins, they, they will make that fight 100% because it's going to be on the Abu Dhabi card. And typically when they go to Abu Dhabi, they stack the deck with like two or three title fights and just a banger of a main card. So even if that's like not a fight you're all that thrilled with, the rest of the offering that that card will get will be worth the 80 bucks. I, I think that's a super box. compelling fight, by the way. I'm very interested in that fight. I wanted to I see think- Ma- I wanted to see that fight before Makachev fought Oliveira. I wanted yeah. to see, but I mean, it worked out the way that it worked out. And here we are talking about this now, but I mean, who does like, who doesn't want to see Dustin versus Justin too? You don't even have to do it at 55. Like, I just want to see these two fight. Just make them, don't even make them cut weight. Just do it at 70 and who gives a shit? Just have them yeah, fight. I don't, I don't even care if they get a title shot after or not. Just, just <laughs> have them fight. <laughs> exactly. That's all I care about. Let them fight. Yeah. I mean, I get, we talk about the the 55 all the time, but now that we have a new champion and there's fresh matchups, that's different. But when Oliver is just running people and we just kept, it's tough to go back to the same names over and over again. But I don't feel like 55 is stagnant, if I'm being honest. Like Charles versus, versus Dariush is a very clear number one contender fight. I'm good. These guys are fighting. Justin Gaethje and Raphael Fazeev just fought. Like I'm, this is moving. 170 is where you really see the stagnation, right? 170 is where it's like, geez, can, can, can Bilal and Colby fight each other? Can we just like get the, the, the division moving like 55? I'm good. As long, it doesn't matter if it's the same names, if they're earning opportunities and they're fighting each other. 70 is where I'm like, okay, like people, people need to actually like fight. Um, to, to make this, to clear this situation up. So no issue. Great fight. I mean, that's the fight I, I'm looking forward to the most in MMA right now. I love Dustin versus Justin. It, it's time to to run that one back. Oh man, the fight rules. It's the best. And look, we don't have a lot of time with these two guys. Like, yeah. it's just, it is the way that it is. Uh, do you make anything of Izzy's demeanor during his media day scrum? He seemed more on edge and in denial about Alex's wins over him going into his fourth fight. Did you feel that way going through that? Did that something my, seemed a little off? My armchair like psychologist take on it was he seemed defiant, right? He seemed defiant in the face of people that are expecting him to be like cowering or expecting him to be like fearful and thinking... I've lost three times. It's going to be the fourth time. What am I going to do? Woe is me. And I, and I think he was defiant in the face of that. I think he's probably been hearing that a lot and reading that a lot and seeing that a lot. So it did feel to me like somebody who was trying to buck that narrative and kind of push it back and, and be defiant. But I will say I have a very hard time really like gauging Israel Adesanya. Um, He's a lot more open and transparent with a lot of his feelings and things than most people were used to seeing. So the bar seems to be a little bit different um, for what to think is something and what to think is nothing because he's kind of all over the place. Sometimes he's been cocky. Sometimes he's been humble. Sometimes he's been this. Sometimes he's been that. He really does like have a lot of layers to him and is, and has shown them in a way that I don't think a lot of people have. He's been vulnerable or he's been, like I said, defiant and like rock solid and feeling like nobody can penetrate my, my defense right now. So because of that, I really don't, I don't have a read on it. And I tend to like push that to the side when it comes to Israel Adesanya, I tend to go like, I know he's mentally strong. I know he's well-prepared because he, he works under Eugene Behrman and the incredible team at city kickboxing. I'm willing to put the mental part of it in a, in a separate compartment and just look at the fight from a, from an X's and O standpoint and, and take it from that way. Um, 
I, I tend to do that with Israel Adesanya fights specifically. And so for this one, I'm not reading too much into it because I don't feel like I can. He, he's just, he has so many layers to him. He's shown us all these different faces that I never know what to truly make of it. Sometimes, you know, people will be like, oh, he's, you know, he's terrified or he's this. And then he'll come out and smoke somebody. It just, I don't feel like it lines up. So I, I tend to compartmentalize it and separate it. True or false? Did he plant the seeds for part of his walkout to be lose yourself by Eminem. Oh, that's funny. I thought you were going to go a different direction there. Um, I think he's such a student of the game. He probably knows he doesn't want to mess with the Eminem curse. So maybe <laughs> he doesn't. Um, but he definitely planted some lose yourself seeds. I thought you were going to ask because in that same soliloquy, as he's talking about the the um, eight mile moment, he goes, Maybe I take him uh, and then he like corrects himself like he was about to talk about like taking him down. And I was like, hmm, it seems like he's either planting the seeds for wrestling or like intentionally dropped that to want people to think that he's planting the seeds for wrestling. Again, he's he's a very complicated character, so I don't know which way to take that and where to go with it. Um, I think he'd be more likely to go with the Limp Biscuit track that that is on the um the stone cold versus yes that is on the stone cold versus rock promo he seems to be enamored with that one so i i, I think he might go with that one and i think yeah the lyrics are about like my way so maybe he's saying like it's it's gonna be my way so uh if i'm if i'm taking bets i'll i'll give that one as the favorite in my mind for the moment still the greatest promo in the history of professional wrestling it's a great promo it's a great promo yeah absolutely oh, i can't wait to see his entrance now <laughs> Jody, who would be your fantasy Siamese boxing pair? I mean, Rampage and Bob Sapp would, would probably be on my list, but and we saw it, and it was everything we hoped it could be and more. But who would be your your fantasy Siamese boxing pair? I have no idea, but I guess like t- on a on a strategic like technical basis, you'd probably want somebody who's a southpaw and somebody who's conventional, right? So that you can use both hands most effectively right on the outside. So you're hooking from, from both directions. Um, I, I got nothing. Uh, Oscar Willis and Casey Lydon. Though that's oh, my combo. Those two, those two, one. um, in the Siamese, uh, boxing pants, knocking people out. <laughs> I mean, it... John Jones, Daniel Cormier. Cause that, oh, that'd be, be fun. Going. That'd be fun. In the same shirt and the same little muumu, that'd be the best. I didn't even think of the idea of putting two people who didn't like each other. See, that's why that's why you're the brains of this operation. I didn't even think of the contention between the two. That's a that's a good call. That's a great call. I mean, if they're really if they're really burying the hatchet, what better way to prove it than to wear the same shirt and box a promoter and his friend? Or they blow up and then they fight each other. That'd be amazing. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm into it. I dig it. <laughs> Incredible. What else you got? I love that question. Why do they have lines in WWE? I guess they, I guess they're they're talking betting lines. Yeah, yeah. I'm on, assuming on, that- on the Super Bowl broadcast they were actually pushing uh, DraftKings and betting lines. So I think that's what they're talking about. Wait, Super Bowl oh, no, or sorry, WrestleMania? Not Super WrestleMania. I don't know why I said Super Bowl. WrestleMania. Sorry. Um, why do they have it? Because it generates money. Like that's literally the only the only answer that. Lo- I'm gonna I'm gonna pull back the curtain here. I'm gonna reveal a secret to you guys. Um, DraftKings and and other betting sites are kept in business by people losing their money by betting 
money. I, I hope that's not a secret that that nobody knew. So um, <laughs> they want you to bet your money and they want you to lose it just like any you know betting site. And they also take, by the way, that, that that's not entirely true. They also get money by people placing bets as, as we talked about earlier. So they just want action. They want people to... Um, they want people to bet on these things. And if there's two sides of it and people are willing to, um, then they'll take it. But I think there's obviously, you know, I don't want to speak on behalf of DraftKings, definitely, you know, no inside knowledge here, but you would have to assume, I'll say that that way, you would have to assume that they're, they're careful and strict on how these lines are established. The, um, I know there's upper limits on how much you can bet on these things. They want to make sure that this is not something where the, the system is being fixed um, and people have this information ahead of time. And the same, honestly, the same way this kind of came up when it came around UFC. Like it seemed like there was an edge and, and um, there was a whole scandal with James Krause that result that resulted from that. And in Canada, um, UFC and MMA betting lines were taken off the book. So this is a very highly regulated space. I assume that they're doing their due diligence and and they're pretty comfortable with where the, the lines are at in WWE. I think it's just a fun way for the fans to get involved and additional opportunities for the, for the books to take bets. Um, I definitely don't think it's like, you know, something where, there's going to be WWE exclusive cappers who are making tons of money just betting WWE. So um, I think it's it's a little bit of fun more so than like profit intention. I think I thought I saw a report that they're trying to like go into different states and like like legalize it, like legit legalize. No, it is WWE true. gambling. Yeah, it's true. Wild. Yeah. And if, if As, you watch the WrestleMania broadcast uh, on the little DraftKings promo kind of hosted by a couple of wrestlers. Um, they were not just the, the outcome of the, the match, but like, bet, is it, you know, how many tables are going to be broken? You know, like, will the ref take a bump? Things like that. So it's just, it's, it's, it's pretty intense, actually. So um, there is lots of money, and they are pushing it heavily. Yeah, and, and I think the people's reservations will be around the idea that, like, they know how many tables are going to go through ahead of it, right? Like, they know that they're going to, as opposed to, like, the flow of sports. But I do believe that there's, as long as um, there is some regulation and as long as they feel comfortable with the idea of those finishes and how many tables and how many titles change hands not being leaked and not uh, nobody getting an inside edge, then it's just fun. It's just fun for folks out there. But, you know. Got, got to be careful with that. The regulation is the key. Yep. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity— But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey. 
instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Question for Casey, how was catching mm. lightning? Yes, you were there for the uh, for the premiere, Casey. How was oh. it? It was very, very, very good. It is honestly one of the best, um, I don't want to call it an MMA documentary, but MMA adjacent documentary. <laughs> um, it's a four-part series. Um, each, each episode is an hour. It's airing on Showtime. I think this weekend they're going to have all four episodes or something available to stream. Um, it is an incredible story about Lee Murray. I kind of heard the, I think we've all heard the, the legend of Lee Murray a little bit, but this really gets exclusive interviews. Um, they talk to the family of Lee Murray who've never spoken about it before. And uh, not only is the subject matter is, is incredibly interesting, incredibly interesting, but it is a well-crafted documentary too. So, um, great, great editing, great film, uh, filmmaking, and a great storytelling. Um, yeah, I was I was highly impressed with it. So um, highly recommend it for all MMA fans. Did you see all four? Do they show you all four parts? No, we show, we saw the first episode, and we and he kind of talked about the other episodes because those weren't okay. officially public yet. But um, he he uh, the uh, the first episode is basically sets up the world and the history of Lee Murray and um, his uh, kind of UFC uh, debut and all that things things like that. Um, and oh, I don't want to give anything away, but <laughs> there is. If you look up look up Lee Murray versus Tito Ortiz street fight, <laughs> and they there's a good chunk of the of the the, the documentary that is um talks about talks about that as far as because it has to go but has to go into the history of Lee Murray, and it is so awesomely funny, and um actually uh Pat Militich is in it um Tony Franklin's in it. Um, Anderson Silva's in it, um, as far as like talking about the history, and um, I forgot his name. The guy that runs Cage Rage, uh, or used to, um, is in it, and um, yeah, it's 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 really well made. I hope I hope, I hope everyone watches. I le- I actually learned a lot <laughs> just in that I'm first hour. It. Yeah, I can't wait. Yeah, if you're an MMA fan, I I think you know you're you're going to be in on that for sure. Lee Murray's a, a legendary figure. Uh, not- maybe notorious is a better word. Notorious figure. Uh, oh, yeah. he's yeah, he's truly notorious. Yeah, he's yeah. yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, what else we got? What's next for Burns if he wins? This is now. This is a really interesting question. I feel like it's an easy answer, but maybe I'm wrong. What do you think? If Burns wins this fight, I, I don't I have an easy I, answer. You tell me. He fights Bilal Muhammad next. Yeah, I, I had a feeling you were going to go that way. I had a feeling you were going to go that way. Is it fair that that's the case? Probably not, but Mazda, Burns gets a little bit of a rub beating Mazadal even at this point. And I mean, what's it's if it's a choice for Bilal between Shafkat Rachmanov and Gilbert Burns, I think he's going to take Gilbert Burns. 
So, I mean, if they can give him that, if that's the, the alternate prize, I think that's, that'll be okay with Bilal. I think you may be right, but I'm also wondering, like, why didn't they just do that fight now? Why did we have to do Burns versus Masvidal? Why don't we just do Burns versus Bilal? Like, that fight was there. Like, that fight made more sense uh, all along. So, I'm wondering, Bilal just maybe is holding out for something other than that, right? Like, it seems like, hey, he, he that, that was probably something that they could have been talking about or thinking about initially. Now it's going to come back around, and it's like, I guess maybe you take it as an alternative to Shavkat, but... I don't know. I, I just don't know where Bilal's head is at. Like, I don't know who he is willing to and wants to fight. I know he's spoken about um, Leon, Kamaru. I, uh, you know what? I think Bilal probably wants Kamaru, and he said as much. You know, I, I yeah, think he spoke yeah. to Damon Martin, and he, want, and he wants Kamaru. Um, so maybe Burns is a little bit out in the cold. Maybe maybe if if Bilal does get Kamaru, you do... Kamaru, Kamaru Burns and you do Shavkat versus, uh, sorry, you do Kamaru uh, Bilal and you do Shavkat versus Burns. Whatever it is, any permutation of those, like we need to just, you know, get the welterweights fighting and, and get them moving. I don't have an issue with with that fight at all. I think Bilal versus uh, Burns is, is a tremendous fight from a, a style uh, perspective and a, and a matchup on paper. I'm just wondering, like, there's a lot of politics kind of involved in this division at the moment and, like, what people are angling for. It seems like of all of them, Burns is probably the most game, right? Burns is probably the guy who's like, put the name on the paper and I'll fight him. I don't really care. He's giving Colby props for waiting for the title shot. He's saying, I'll fight anybody. He's fighting Masvidal. He's fighting back. Like he seems to be the most game of, of all of them. So I would not be surprised, but um, yeah, it's, it's too mer Like who, who do these people actually want to fight is, is the question at the moment. I think Usman, I mean, I like the idea of him fighting Usman. We just don't know, like we yeah. don't know what Usman's going to do. We don't know how long he's going to be out for. If, like how long like does he even want to fight again this year at this point and i don't think Bilal's in a position where he can wait so again if burns goes out there and wins and can turn around relatively quickly then there you go we got something but that's yeah. probably the best case scenario for gilbert burns because he's not getting he won't get leon if he wins that's just not gonna happen yeah i don't think so Uh, Josh, what are some of the storylines and the prelims to watch for? I have to admit, I, I have mean, to take a peek back. I got. Uh, let's see. I mean, Jacqueline Amarin making her debut is interesting. Uh, Joe Pfeiffer fighting Gerald Mearshart is an yeah, I like that. Fight. I like that fight a lot. Um, the Mearshard and, and Piper fight is another another one of those we were talking about live dogs. I feel like that's a live dog for sure right there. I mean, honestly, I'd say the story of this, more than like matchup versus matchup, the story of this prelims and this card for me is underdogs, is live underdogs. I don't know where the line is. It was very close on, on Curtis and Kelvin Gastelum, but I believe at the time I was thinking about it, Curtis was a dog. That one I think is live and interesting. Waterson less so, but still live, I would say. I'd still say tiny, tiny edge there. But Mearshart, I don't know, man. Like, I think that's gonna be a tough fight for for Pfeiffer. I think that's gonna be one where like Mearshart might be the level that we haven't seen him fight yet. Um, at a guy who's a really, really good fighter and, and good submission specialist. Um, so I'm interested in that one. I think uh Mearshart's a live dog. Um Calvillo, I think, is a live dog. Um as as much as I think uh, Loopy's Loopy's a good fighter, 
I think Calvillo is also a good fighter, and I think she's being underrated here on, on, on like a little bit of value underpriced. So yeah, I mean, I think there's actually a lot of compelling matchups. They they look slanted because the odds are are um, more in the favor of the favorites. Uh, that's stupid. Of course, they're in the favor of the favorites, but um, there's there's high li- there's high lines <laughs> on a lot of the favorites. I think there's some interesting matchups. I think we're going to see some dogs barking here. So that's that's kind of my thing. Like this is a decently um, decently interesting uh, prelims for me. I like the Piper Mearshard fight. That's one of those fights where. I mean, we talk about Makwan Amir Khani being like the live bet like yes. machine like if that if if Makwan has a great first round and it gets extended you just automatically go to the live bet and bet against Makwan yeah i feel like and i'm not comparing joe pifer to Makwan Khani, but this fight screams to me that if pifer doesn't get mirshard out in the first round that you should probably take a little bite on the mirshard apple for some Absolutely. for some live odds especially if it's like an ugly, like it's a dominant round for pifer i just feel like mirshard comes on strong if he, if he gets out of the first out can can Pfeiffer just bolt Mearshart, knock him on two minutes? Sure, it's possible. I mean, we've seen Mearshart knock down the first round before, but when that doesn't happen, that's when Gerald comes on and yep. makes things grimy and gross. And middleweighty middleweights do middleweighty hmm. middleweight things. And GM3 is one of the best middleweighty middleweights in the world. So, yeah, it's a good fight. I like the Watterson fight too. Yeah, it's a fun card. It was a really fun yeah. card. Is this a must win for Cynthia Calvillo? She will be on it. She is currently on a four fight losing streak with her last loss, a split decision loss to Nina Nunes. Yeah, see, she, I don't think she has the, the clout that Kelvin Gastelum has that we were talking about earlier. Her, I would say, yeah, you, you, you need a dub here. You, you need a W. She needs to make weight and win for sure. Yeah, I think that's right. That's the concern I have with Calvillo before I can make a read on the fight. Like, She's going back to 115. It's been a minute. She struggled to get there before. Can she get there in a healthy way? Will she look good on the scale? Will that transfer into the octagon on Saturday? We're going to get some answers tomorrow when she steps on that scale. So if she makes it and she's good and smiling and happy-go-lucky, yeah, I think there's a woof-woof underdog. Yep. Agree. I think that's a, it's a very interesting underdog line right there. Who's Hamzad fighting? <laughs> well, uh, as, I mean, look, he's he's tweeting up a storm right now. Yeah, he's tweeting up a storm right now. He's uh he's tar- he's got Alex Pereira in his sights. He's got Costa in his sights. He's got Colby in his sights. He basically he summarizes: see you in Abu Dhabi with who? I don't care. I came here to kill everybody. So he, I don't think he cares. Um, who I'd like to see is probably Costa. I think that one is the one that I want to see the most. I'm not, I don't love the Whitaker one. Um, just from the perspective that I think Whitaker is a great next challenger for sure. If Alex wins, right? Like if Alex wins, Whitaker versus Alex is the fight. Like that fight just makes all the sense in the world. Costa, I could see needing one more. Not, not that I'd even have a problem, honestly, if versus with Costa versus Alex either, but I think Whitaker is the one who I'm, who I'm pegging for that. If Alex can win, so I, I would love to see Costa versus Hamza. 185, Abu Dhabi makes all the sense in the world. Fun fight. The trash talk, the buildup is going to be tremendous. Um, that's that's the one that I want. Yeah, that's the answer. 
That's the answer. I was on the Whitaker train for a while. Now with this title fight coming up and, and everything, not really on that train right now. I, I just, that's a great title fight. Like if Whitaker beats Pereira and wins the belt and Shemayev fights Costa and wins, that's a tremendous title fight. Very yep. intriguing title fight right there. Uh, and I'd be curious to see what that one is is lined at when the betting odds come out for that fight. It seems like Hamzat's not going to get a title shot right away. Um, Cause I'd also be interested in that. If I'm, if I'm being completely honest, if I can be transparent, I'm definitely, I would definitely be interested in Hamzat jumping right into a fight with Alex, but it doesn't seem like it's going to go that way. It seems like there's going to be a fight for him in Abu Dhabi. Um, and Costa makes all the sense in the world. hundred percent. All right. I'll take a couple more. I think we have time for a couple more. Uh, combat companion. What are the stakes, if any, for the Holland Ponzinibbio bout? Could a win place either of these guys on track to be top 10 fighters anytime soon? What does yeah, the stake care? I don't think much of anything, if I'm being honest. I've, I've said this about Kevin Holland, and there's, a, there's quite a few fighters that this kind of applies to now. Like, he's so game. He's so ready to fight. He's in fun fights every single time. The UFC doesn't really care if he wins or loses, right? Like, and and he's willing to take tough fights that are not in his favor, like taking Hamza Chemaev on a day's notice. Like, he doesn't really care um, about that um, part of it. He's here to make the most possible money, and the UFC is willing to pay him to do that. Um, he's a bit of a cowboy type throwback. So I don't think a lot is on the line at all. Like, Kevin Holland could be on a losing streak like he was before and then just jump right back up. He can be on a winning streak and fall right back down once he hits that ceiling that he's going to hit. So not much, especially from the, the Holland perspective. Ponza Nibio, it could be good to, you know, kind of get together on a run and, and crack um, the upper echelon. Uh, but I don't see a ton of stakes here. Like, a, a win over Kevin Holland doesn't really vault you much higher for the same reason. It doesn't drop him much lower. Yeah, Kevin Holland is um I kind of put him in the same boat as like a Derek Lewis. Yeah. Like there are no stakes for Kevin Holland fights. He doesn't need to fight for belts, doesn't need to do any of that. People just love him. They just want to see him on the card. They want to watch him fight whoever they match him up with. And that's it. I mean, this dude fought Hamza Chemayev on a day's notice. So I mean, he's as game as they get, and he's got a personality a to boot. He is a nut. Uh, but again, another potential live dog. With the value, Agreed. Santiago Ponzinibbio plus two hundred five right now. Agree. I think there's a I think there's a little value there. Not saying he'll win, but that should be a little closer. Just saying. I agree. I agree one hundred percent. There's a lot of dogs as we've outlined. If if you watch back this, we've given sprinkles of like a few <laughs> a few dogs that you could play. You can make a case for like almost every underdog on this card. Yeah, there's there's quite a few. Well, not all of them, but. A good job. <laughs> <laughs> now that I look at the card. All right. And All right. I think this will be our last question. Uh, who does Bilal... <laughs> I can't wait to talk about this. Uh, this is my. This is like one of my favorite topics on Heck of a Morning, but who, who does Bilal need to beat for people to remember his name, New York Rick? And there's only really one answer to this question, uh, but I'll let you answer this first. I, yeah. At the moment, it's probably Shavkat, but, but the one that... I would have said before was Hamzat. I've I've always said, long said, uh, Bilal Muhammad's path to the title should have always been through calling out Hamzat. I'm going to smash the guy that nobody wants to fight. I'm going to smash the guy that everybody's scared of. And then he would get fans in his corner. It's going to take some kind of like performance like that. It's not going to just be like, 
I think Sean Brady is elite. I think Sean Brady is awesome. And that performance by Bilal Muhammad impressed the hell out of me. Uh, that was a very, very like that was one of the best performances um, I've seen from from one of the welterweight contenders. But that's not enough. Like the fans don't get behind the wins over Sean Brady. Like it's good. It vaults you, but you you need to do something that's a little bit different um, when you're stuck in that position. Leon kind of waited it out and and finally got that opportunity. For me, it would have been Hamzat. Hamzat doesn't see, appear to be going back to 170 anytime soon. So I guess I'll shift that to if he can be the one who stops the boogeyman Shavkat, that would probably do it that would probably be the thing that kind of people go all right i can finally we can stop denying him um but outside of that like beating another contender i don't know i don't know how much it's really going to do uh i like both of those answers they're both wrong uh the correct answer the correct answer is Bilal muhammad needs to beat Bilal muhammad he needs to beat (laughs) his own brain because the reason he is in this position right now is because he has fumbled the bag over and over again with his callouts, he has fumbled the bag over and over again. He beats Vicente. He beats was a Wonder Boy then Luke. Yeah. Uh, yes, that's right. So he beats Wonder Boy, this great win, and he calls out. He calls for the title shot, which no everybody was like, "What the hell are you doing? Like, what a whiff." Hamza was kind of right there. Didn't do that. Then a week, like a week or two after Hamzat has the war with Gilbert Burns, Bilal Muhammad beats Vicente Luque in a back and forth and the dominant performance. He a dominant performance. I tweeted out the second, like 10 seconds before they read the, the cards. Bilal, great performance. Go all in on Hamzat Shemaev. Do not call out Kamara or Colby Govington. Don't do it. All on Hamzat. Hamzat's in the news. Hamzat's all the rage. People are questioning him now. Now's the time. What does he do? Calls out Colby Covington. And here's the thing. Bilal realizes he fumbles the bag. Because when he does the media tour after, then he shifts gears to Hamzat. And at that point, nobody cares. Because when the moment counted, you didn't make it happen. Aljamain Sterling is just as guilty of this. UFC 280. Sean O'Malley just beat Piotr Jan. You could have went all in on O'Malley right there. You sh- he should be fighting Sean O'Malley May 6th for the ba- in his final Bantamweight title fight. He should not be fighting Henry Cejudo right now. He should be fighting Aljamain. He should be fighting Sean O'Malley. He didn't do that. He realized his mistakes, then did the media tour. Yeah, Sean's the bigger fight. You know, he's the guy, all this stuff. But instead, he called out three guys. Made And Dana White was like, well, how about Henry Cejudo? Let's do that. <laughs> And then that got traction. Everybody was talking about it. And now we're in this position. It is Chael Sonnen. How, no matter how you feel about the man, the man knows prize fighting. And he says it every time. The next fight starts the second the previous fight ends. You got to have a name. You got to have something to say. And you got to make it happen. Had Bilal Muhammad, after the Luke win, just cut a promo on Hamza Chemaev, he would have got that fight. And he'd be in a much different position right now. He would have gotten over like we're over. Now, the performance against Sean Brady was great. That got him over. And then he almost didn't call out Hamzat again. He almost didn't do it. He called an audible, didn't say Shemaev's name, went with the nickname, didn't have the, the same oomph it could have if he just said, hey, Hamzat Shemaev, you piece of dog poo. I'm not going to say what he probably should have said. Let's go. And then we have something. I will say this, though. Bilal is in the best spot he has ever been. 
He's lost. I mean, some of that Colby stuff has lost a little luster, but the Colby thing, obviously the interview I did when he did the John Anik stuff and that took off. Bilal picked up that ball and ran with it. He did interviews with everybody, brought that up, said if he sees Colby in Miami, he's going to slap him across the face. For the first time in a couple of years, through all of these call-outs, people actually want to see Bilal Muhammad fight Colby Covington now. That fight actually has something where it makes sense and people would actually want to watch it. So I will give Bilal his kudos. He's learning because he took an opportunity to see the bag on the ground and he picked it up and he ran with it. So let's see what happens here. Let's see what he does with it. And if he does see Colby in Miami, if he can get, if he can get some action, if he can get up to that man, maybe have a security guard, separate them, has some things to say. Let's see what he does with the opportunity. But I think Bilal's learning from his mistakes. But his biggest, his biggest issue has been him, just with the microphone in his hand. When he has the opportunity to make a statement, he, he misses. But let's see if he can turn so that So you think the him. right one is Colby at the moment? I think it could happen. Now, things need to fall into place. Things need, Mazadal needs to do his job. Mazadal goes and does his job, and Colby and Bilal have a face-to-face in some way that is caught on some sort of cell phone camera. With everything Bilal has done, I think there's something to it. I'm not saying Masvidal it's going to happen. Masvidal, Masvidal versus Edwards, Colby versus Bilal. Yes. But the dominoes have to fall into place here. Mm-hmm. He needs, For the first time, he needs yeah, Jorge. He needs Jorge big time. He needs Jorge big time. He needs Jorge big time, and he needs Dana to support Jorge in his mission to fight Leon Edwards. I, then I maybe. Just don't, I don't see any of it happening. I, I it's, think. Oh yeah, it's a maybe. It's a maybe. He needs. He needs to just bite the bullet on this and be like, "Look, I get, I get it. Everybody doesn't want to fight Shavkat just the same way they don't want to fight Hamzat. I'm the guy." I'm the freaking guy. Remember my name. There's only going to be, here it goes. Remember my name. There's only going to be one name that beat Shavkat and it's going to be mine. Remember my name because it's the only <laughs> one. And, and I'm calling out that guy that nobody wants to take. And I'm going to, I'm going to beat him up. I'm going to make it look easy. Sean Brady. He was that guy. Now, now that guy is Shavkat and I'm going to ruin him. That's the call out for me. And I think people will care about that. I think if he can, if he can do that, if he can make good on that, now that's the hard part, if he can actually make good on it. But if he can make good on that, I really think he'll have something. I think he'll have something going. I agree with you fully, though. He missed the boat on the, on the Hamzat thing. He should have been the guy trying to play spoiler on Hamzat. That was it. Uh, you get part two. You get part two on, on Shavkat. I think that's the way. I think that's the yeah. way. I mean, I've, at the end of the day, we threw out all these names. I think he's going to, he's going to have to fight Shafkar Rachmanov. I mean, I said, that, I said that, I said that immediately. Like if the best, the best thing that could have happened to Bilal Muhammad was that Kamara Usman beat Leon Edwards in a not great fight. And then Bilal probably squeezes in there. Cause who else are you going to put in there? Like Hamzad is going up to 185. It appears there's nobody else. We've already seen the Colby fight twice. I know Dana said we'd probably do Colby Usman three. I don't think that's the case if we're being honest, but who knows? But yeah, I mean, Bilal's in a good spot right now. People care. People care. People care. I I give him credit. He took this whole Anik situation, he turned the negative into a positive, and people care about Bilal right now. They want to see him do good things. So he's, vid- he's videoing the beef between uh, Holland and uh, Masvidal. He's all over the place. Now he just needs to run into Colby. 
And I love, I like Bilal Muhammad. I am a big Bilal Muhammad guy. I've been interviewing Bilal since before he got to the UFC. I like the guy. I want to see him fight for the belt. It'd be pretty cool. But these are, it's these little things. This is not Bellator. It's the UFC. And it's about putting on the biggest fights, the fights that make the most sense from a business perspective. And you just got to take the right road sometimes. It's not for everybody. Not everybody could do that. It's not for everyone. But some are very good at it and some aren't. And Bilal, I think, is getting better. He's learning. Aljamain Sterling has learned from his mistakes. And, oh, man, if he beats Henry Cejudo, I can't wait to hear what he has to say. If you, if he does he's, not he's gonna go call in, I'm just to he, he will not. Or he, 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 he will you, not blow that. Think, he will not blow that. He will, he will not think, blow that. Okay. My, what, you, my think, concern, you think Volko? You think Volko? What is he, who is he calling out? It, it's, one, it's one of those two guys. But don't, it's, I mean, pick one. Just pick one for the love of God. Don't call them both out. You know what? I want Sean O'Malley. But if maybe I want to go to 145 and fight this guy. Or maybe I'll go to 155 and fight this guy. No, 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 no. Pick I the think, lane and go. I think both Henry Cejudo and Aljamain Sterling know exactly what they <laughs> want to do next. And, and it's, it's a big target on Sean O'Malley's head. And Sean O'Malley wants it too. And the UFC probably wants it too. So... I think this one's like unfumbleable. This this one we've got who, who's like the the, the person who's fumbled. I thought the last one was you, unfumbleable. You got Curtis Martin in his prime, just with two hands around that football, and he ain't dropping it. There's no way. There's no way. It's it's gonna be Sean O'Malley. It's gotta be. Yes. Be more Curtis Martin. Be less Mark Sanchez. <laughs> yeah. Good things can happen. <laughs> good things can happen. With that being said, uh, I think we're done. I think we have uh, we've answered a lot of questions here. We have. Uh, made the appetite for UFC 287 a little bit bigger. I think we're excited. We have the watch party coming going down on Saturday, which I'm very excited about. Uh, I will tease it again. The cold open for the UFC 287 watch party might be the greatest thing we have ever produced at MMAfighting.com. Wow. So stay tuned for that. Yeah. All I did was voice it, but Connor is Connor Burks like lives in here. He knows what I'm thinking. And I picked the music. He was like, this is perfect for what I was thinking. And then he showed me the video with the music behind it. And I'm like, oh my God, this is exactly what I wanted. And then I just voiced it. It's pure magic. He sent it to me yesterday. I'm stoked to see it. Incredible. And New Yorker will be joining us once again for the, maybe the final meeting between Alex Pereira and and Israel Adesanya. So very much looking forward to that. Tomorrow we'll have the weigh-ins. We'll have preview show. And then... We're just going to have all sorts of fun. So, Casey, you can go ahead and hit that music. And let's take one step closer to UFC 287. So, New York Rick, thank you for joining us. Any final thoughts for the peeps? What a pleasure it's been. Um, anytime you need me, I'm always here to spend this time with you, to spend this time with the fans, with Casey, with everybody around the world. Um, and uh, As our living, it's so cool. And uh, I'm very thankful and uh, blessed. As am I. Thank you, New York Rick. Thank you, Casey, on the ones and twos. Back next week on Between the Links. Good night, everybody. This has been Between the Links, an MMA fighting production on the Vox Media Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. 
Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.